0: everybody welcome to the latest edition of volley i'm carolyn april and as always i'm here with my good buddy seth robinson seth
1: how hey, you doing how you doing
0: doing well doing well here as we uh, get ready to embark on our last volley of the year
1: i know hard to believe I another know. year in the books
0: i know i feel getting. i'm getting older and older and older and uh but we're still doing volley and you're, um, you're to do do do, do, you were telling me the other day you feel do, like you need
1: naps more often now <laughs> or you get tired yeah. in the middle of the day
0: yeah, it's true. I've never been a napper, but maybe I should add that to my repertoire now.
1: Um, yeah, a little power nap. Call it a power I, nap. I, then you know,
0: I, I envy, it. I envy the power nappers of the world. Um, I just can't fall asleep like that.
1: Um, I can't so By the
0: time I got to sleep, that the term of the power nap would be
1: over. You know, right. Like there's <laughs> there's the, no power in it. And it
0: defeats the, It's the power trying to nap would 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 be what it is, but. You know, we can dream. Another year, maybe next year, I'll be in napping mode. But so yeah, far, it's something
1: to shoot for. So.
0: Yeah. So we're entering uh, the the home stretch of holidays here, and I thought um, we thought that we would talk a little bit or recap a little bit about uh, 2021 and the year yeah. that it was in uh, in our world of technology and business. Um, so there's a lot we could discuss. We tried to narrow it down a little bit. And why don't we start off with some of the kind of macro things we were thinking about around the government regulation and how that all pertained to, to tech this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think here in the U.S., the, the, the big story of the year, I think, has been the, the change in administrations, yeah. um, the, the, the shift over in, in political power. And there's there's a lot of things that have been you know happening with that throughout the year. But as it pertains to technology, I think the interesting thing has been that with the shift to a new administration, with the shift over to a different political party, I don't know that we've seen that much of a shift in the way that they're approaching technology, especially big tech. I, I think there's been yeah. just as much focus on on big tech and concern um, and and wanting to understand the problem. And I think maybe, you know, again, here in the US, both sides of the aisle might come at it a little differently, but I think you can see that that both parties are not really comfortable with this and, and they don't know maybe exactly what to do about it. And I, I don't know that that's unusual. I, I think for new issues and, and a, a relatively new industry like this, I, I don't know that it's rational to think that you're going to get it solved in a month yeah. or a year or, or anytime quickly. I, I think that there's a lot going into considering you know how how the the businesses operate and, and what exactly they're doing to society and with society and to consumers. It's just it's different than a lot of monopolistic practice in the past. And we've talked about that before, but I, I think it's difficult to to completely wrap your head around it. But I think we we've kind of seen that like Mistrust and and concern around technology, especially at scale, is not necessarily a, a partisan issue.
0: No, it isn't. Um, unfortunately, both sides of the aisle have a hard time um, coming together, coalescing around how best to deal with it. And that is a partisan issue. Um, I think the chattering class out there I would include us, too, or, you know, have in 2021 made just as much noise about um, big tech and some of the the downsides and dangers of of um, having so many companies of such heft have so much power and own so much of our data and have so much uh, leverage over privacy issues and, and other things. So the issue, I think, is just as large. It looms what we're going to do about it from a regulation standpoint, government-wise, or self-regulation on the part of the companies themselves. um, I still, I don't think we made, like you said, I don't think we moved the needle very far in 2021. I will point out, you know, one thing that I think, you know, I think government tries here and there, um, the new administration a little bit to try to um, kind of even the playing field a bit with respect to technology. And I know that um, and this is a little bit of a segue from the from the big tech discussion, but I know in the infrastructure bill that that just was passed, I believe there's some um, there are there's some money that's been earmarked for um, expanding broadband and to you know parts of the country that do not have it or have really terrible um, accessibility right now. So little things here and there that get done, I think we can take note of. But I think the bigger issue, like you said, um, that's a nut that hasn't been cracked yet. And you know we'll see what 2022 brings. Although next year comes midterm elections, and so politics is going to take center stage. So who knows if anything will get done then either. So no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think you framed it up nicely. Like the, you know, part of the issue here for me as I'm looking at this: is what, what exactly do people want the the solution to be? You yeah. know, especially yeah. for these things that are happening at scale. And so it's like, do you do you simply want the the company to be smaller? And in, in most cases, you know, making the company smaller would mean that it's not a company at all because the, the, these companies exist because they are networking people at scale. That's the whole point of their existence and I guess there's maybe a philosophical question there about whether that is a good or a bad thing. Um, but assuming that it's maybe even a neutral thing, how do you watch over it? How do you how do you regulate it? And you mentioned privacy. you know, I, I think privacy and competition are are often kind of at odds with each other uh, and privacy and the services that we all enjoy are kind of at odds with each other. But the way that the governments around the world may choose to deal with these big companies will eventually have downstream impact on the smaller companies. And and, and I think that leads us into the the second big topic for the year, which is security. We've seen these massive security breaches at SolarWinds and Caseya and and attacks on critical infrastructure and disrupting supply chains even before we got to some of this end-of-the-year supply chain disruption that we've been seeing uh, and th- those are all really, really big things. But I think as people start to focus on those big ones and and figure out what needs to be done and what best practices look like, that definitely trickles down. And I think we've seen in our research, whether it's channel firms trying to sell security services or consult on security, or whether it's IT pros trying to work within their organizations, there's a lot of change happening and there's a lot of cultural shift mindset shifting that needs to happen. And I think that that cultural mindset is the thing that isn't really moving quite as quickly. Now, I think a lot of people still tend to think that it's a product issue, like, what products can you get in place to protect from all of these security breaches that we're seeing. And, And as we talked about with my security study, the, the product is kind of the, the the tail end of things. You know, you have to have this cultural mindset first and then work through which processes you're going to have and bring in the right skills. And then you can talk about the products. But I think we've, we've been in that product centric mindset for so long. I think that's just where a lot of people are still. Um, and and yeah. you've seen it more on the channel side. But I, I, I feel like that's the common thread here.
0: No, I, I think that the the um, the easy fix that a product kind of conjures in your mind is uh, is where we're stuck at the moment, and we don't pay enough attention to behavior, which is really important. And then constant vigilance. Um, there's no such thing as we fix the security problem. You know, I mean, we fix the immediate one, maybe you know whatever's bothering us today, but uh, a new one's going to come up tomorrow. And I think that's one of the challenges that a lot of the smaller channel firms have uh, have been facing, and we did see this in our data, is that you asked them, you know, why haven't you gone to down further down the road with your security, cybersecurity business, that aspect of your business? And, and one of the number one answers was, it's simply too difficult for us. The, you know, the threat landscape constantly changes. The scale of it is, you know, beyond our control. Um, and so we feel overwhelmed. And oh, and by the way, we don't really do such good jobs securing our own network and our own environment, um, which is a knock on them. They should get it together. Uh, you know, But all of that can seem like anything in life when things get too big, when you try to ponder the size of the universe or something like that, it gets overwhelming. And, and there are companies that um, then opt out. And that's a problem, you know, as we've, you know, and I have espoused all year is that you can't take your, you know, put your head in the sand when it comes to cybersecurity. If you're in the tech business. Regardless of whether that's your niche and that's your specialty, you still have to have that conversation with a customer because they're going to expect it in this day and age. Everybody knows about security issues, whether or not they take them seriously, whether or not they do the things they have to do to make sure that they don't decimate a business, they still know about it They and they, they read about it in the paper. And um, I think this is just going to be an ongoing issue. Um, it's another thing you could tie it right back into the government conversation i mean the government could get more involved in some of the cybersecurity issues that we face and certainly it's going to be on a geopolitical basis it's it's a it's a potential nightmare um yeah with other countries, but we, th- we could spend a whole volley on that. So, and yeah. The, yeah. Play. I mean,
1: I think we're going to continue seeing yeah. more and more conversations around security, whether that's through yeah. groups like the CompTIA ISO or at face-to-face events, which may start happening more and more uh, in 2022. Right. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, this, this massive volume of conversation. And then the question is, what's the content of that conversation, right? Are, are you talking about the right things that are really going to move the needle and moving out of that product-centric mindset into talking about zero trust and having a mindset around that—not just you know what what are the specific steps that you can follow—so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch. Um, but but hopefully you know that all leads into I think I think what you and I saw as the the big theme from this year, and there were lots of pieces of this, but I think we we, we saw so many different parts of technology or the technology industry um driving towards resilience, whether that's you know mm-hmm. resilience for businesses resilience for for workers and and the choices that they have in their work arrangements uh that that thread of resilience seemed to to really run through a lot of the 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 topics that we saw look when we looked back through the year
0: yeah no I, I like that as a theme and I think it's one of the the um the positives that we can take away from would have been other what has been otherwise a fairly, Downbeat couple of years um, because of the pandemic and all of all of, all it has wrought. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, it's but the technology industry has fared pr- pretty well, and I think for all of our listeners and everybody out there who works in technology, you know that's encouraging. It's a pat on the back for people doing a good job, people being flexible. Um, making the kinds of pivots and moves that needed to be made in order to keep businesses going and keep workers engaged and happy. And, um, and, and, and that's a big plus uh, for the industry. I mean, we do tons of uh, research, obviously about the workforce and, you know, the, the mantra that we've been spouting for years now about how, you know, every, company as a tech company really has shown that shown itself to be true in in these downtimes where you realize how dependent and reliant companies are on technology and even more so when we have all these restrictions placed on us. People need to start working from home. People, you know, can't move around as much as possible. They're not getting on airplanes. So how are we going to function and perform the duties of everyday business? And technology stepped up to the plate. And and frankly, I I would think that there are lots of companies and business owners out there who can say that they are still alive today and positioned to go, um, go well into 2022 as a direct result of some of the technological solutions they were able to apply.
1: Yeah, I think this is where... Technology is something so much different than just the utilities that we've had in the past, right? Because we never would have said every company is an electric company. Um, yeah. Even though every company is using electricity, you know, electricity isn't necessarily, you know, doing leaps and bounds to help a company become more resilient. But I think technology, you know, has, has done that. Whether, you know, again, companies have gone into e-commerce or whether they've supported their remote workforce or, or whether they've continue to go through digital transformation in these past two yeah. years, you know, they've they, they become more resilient, you know, and sadly, a lot of companies, you know, weren't able to survive these past two years. Sure. But I think the ones that did uh, use technology to, to become stronger and, and to, to set themselves up for a future that's going to be very technology driven, you know, again, even if the primary product is not technology, technology right. is almost certainly playing some part in the delivery of, of your product or offering. Uh, and, yeah. and so it's been you know encouraging to see that. It's obviously been you know kind of comforting being here within the, the technology industry to, to see that mm-hmm. it's been faring so well. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's opened up a lot of questions. You know the, the, this whole question that's been kind of resonating throughout the year and will definitely carry forward into next year around remote work. I I don't think is one that's been answered yet, and I, I think it's going to take some time before it gets answered. I think we read about people that want to change their work arrangements, um, but it's it's a little hard to tell exactly how that's going to impact the the entire economy. And and you and I talked one of the the most recent times that we had Bali about uh, the the outlook and how some of our data seem to go against, you know, the, the headlines that we're reading that, you know, not everyone is just wanting to work from home. Some people want to be back in the office, some people feel right. they need to be, obviously, some companies want their employees to be. And so there's going to be some kind of hybrid model moving forward. And it's a little unclear what it's going to be, but it's, it's going to open up a lot of doors. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and again, technology is the tool that's being used to open those doors.
0: Yeah, I think the, the the takeaway for me is that there's going to be more choice um, in how workforces and workplaces operate. So to your point, yeah, there are gonna be companies and people, who employees who prefer to be back in the office, um, whether that becomes mandated, um, I think that's up in the air. I think that, that some of the changes that we saw that we may, may have thought were temporary when we first started on this pandemic journey, um, and as it extended on and into, you know, two years plus now almost, um, they're becoming the norm. And they may, I think that there are going to be things that happen during this two-year period that are going to remain. And, and you know, I was reading a funny article today at uh, in the, I don't, I don't know, it was either the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal about how, People had to change their holiday traditions over or during these last two years. Didn't get together. The, the obligatory trip to your in-laws house or to, you know, whoever's for Christmas dinner or whatever it happened to be um, didn't happen over the last two years for a lot of families. And they thought that they and while there's a huge group that are really eager to return to that, this article was about that other group that are like, you know, we survived those two years without doing that same thing that we did as a tradition for the last 40. And so maybe we're gonna do different things from now on. And so I think if you use that as an analogy, that's the way I think that the the workplace and the workforce and the way we do business is going to be. We got a little taste of being able to do things differently and still successfully. And so a little of that may remain and a little of that the old may come back. And that is, again, is going to be subjective based on the business itself. But I, I don't see us just doing, a, okay, everything's all right now and flipping a switch and, and returning to the way of, uh, it was.
1: Yeah. You know, to carry your analogy a little further, I think, you know, I, I was kind of an early adopter on like not doing the family thing with, you know, the holidays. We, for the past several years, yes, we I haven't either hosted family or, or traveled to see them. And the interesting thing for me is it's not all positive. Like there, there are some pros and some cons and, and you have to weigh that. And, and oh. so it's not like every year you're just saying, oh, it's obviously so much better to do it this way. You're like, there are some things that we lose and there are some things that we gain. And personally, you know, this is how it nets out for us. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to go through that with work. I think a lot of people that I've talked to, you know, have gone through this stage of like, Early on, it feels great. It's like, don't have to do the commute, don't have to like get dressed, don't have right. to shower, you know, whatever. Um, but then as time goes on, it's like, eh, you know, I feel a little disconnected, you know, or maybe yeah. I'd like to get out of the house or, or whatever it is. And so I think as more and more time goes on, you know, people will weigh those pros and cons. And, and like you said, it will be really interesting to see how it all settles out. I, yeah. I think the last thing that comes to mind for me uh, along the lines of resilience is, the, the issue of supply chain and specifically around chip shortages uh, you talked about this a little bit in the outlook yeah. and we like i said we're obviously seeing massive supply chain issues right now but the the chip shortage one was kind of an interesting one because y- you suddenly realized how many products have chips in them you know you're hearing about the automobile industry is is not being able to build as many cars because they don't have chips and then you see ford uh, and, and other companies starting to think about, well, maybe we should do our own chips, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, not every company that needs to get chips can afford to make their own. Uh, I, I did that business for years. It's not a, not a, not a cheap endeavor. Yeah. But y- you do see companies starting to consider, again, how do we become more resilient and less reliant on this supply chain or a fab or something else? That might be a little fragile. You know, how do how do we give ourselves a little a little buffer from that? Uh, and again, with with chips and technology being embedded in so many products, it will be you know really interesting to see how companies make their decisions moving forward and where they decide to invest and where they decide to diversify their supply chains.
0: Oh yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of changes to uh, the business dogma. That we've seen you know around you know things like just-in-time manufacturing and all of the you know things you learn when you go to get an mba which i do not have um but that that are going to change and the one thing i wanted to underscore with this particular topic is beyond just supply chain i think that companies are going to have to really take a hard look at best practices and what they um may mean to their business so if you got caught flat-footed and many did, because who could predict what happened, and who could predict the the um, the supply chain nightmare that that many companies have have endured. Um, but now it's time to prepare for these potential um, calamities to happen in the future. And when I talked to some business owners today, um, those who had not really done this kind of risk planning. Uh, they do minor risk planning for things that are very like tangible. I know this could potentially happen to me. I could have a bunch of employees leave all of a sudden. What would I do? That sort of thing. But bigger picture risk planning. Um, is now on on the the minds of, of, at least it should be, of smarter business owners to say, you know what, that thing that, you know, that fault line that I never thought would open and crack, it, you know, that can happen. And so what are the, some of the things that I'm going to put in place? None of this is sexy. It's like not fun business stuff to do, but um, but it's kind of navel-gazing a bit and taking stock of how well you're running your business today and what you would do if, you know, this awfulness happened or this awfulness happened. And I think that's just one of the results. And, and in, you know, while it sounds depressing, it, it's probably a positive for a lot of companies to get their, you know, house in order.
1: Yeah, yeah I think you're right. It's kind of blocking and tackling, but yeah. I think in a way that's what digital transformation is all about. It's not about bringing in... Some incredibly innovative new technology that's going to launch you in a new direction. It's about reevaluating your operations yeah. and bringing technology into all of the pieces of them. Especially, you know, even the pieces that are, you know, kind of down in the trenches and and doing the the boring day to day work. So, let's right. um, yep. well,
0: we, boring day to day work here.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah that's uh, you know, all of us have to do it. So we
0: do.
1: Um, well, we usually wrap up the episode by by saying thank you to our wonderful producer, Andrea McMillan. And, and for this last one of the year, we thought we'd actually bring her in and, and see what she's been seeing through the year in terms of like content or video or or any changes that that uh, that she's noticed. So, Andrea, you out there?
2: Hi, everyone. Thank you. Hi. Good to hey, see you. Hey, how are you doing? It's good bring to see you. Face, bring your face onto the volley camera with us. That's I right. know, right? Well, We've congratulations, got... guys. It's end of the year. We're wrapping up another year of volley you guys have been con- incredibly consistent and sharing an incredible insight and intelligence and so thank you for that it makes my job easy well thank oh, well. you
0: because well, this was the year we we moved into video and we couldn't have done it without you we really we were, I, I will speak for myself was nervous about doing the whole video thing so i think we've pulled it off and we couldn't have done it without without you behind the scenes so absolutely thank you.
2: Thank you. Well, video isn't going anywhere as we yes, do
0: tell do tell. <laughs> yeah.
2: So as the digital media marketplace and landscape is expanding, um, attention is becoming more fragmented and audiences are becoming more niche. So the question is, how do we continue to share critical intelligence? How do we appeal to new audiences and how can we inspire, and compel existing audiences to greater action. And that's what Volley and Going to Video is doing for us. It's sharing information in bite-sized chunks that are curated, important, relevant, um, and make it easily accessible to our our audiences. Um, The business community and tech leaders are attracted to solutions, and that's what our data provides. Uh, And they're also... On video, eighty-one percent of internet traffic is video and internet traffic right now, and um, so it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay, and businesses everywhere are looking um, as video at video as an important part of their overall strategy.
0: That's fantastic. That eighty-one percent is stunning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kicked and dragged screaming into video. So um, and, yeah. and most of that is mobile. Yeah. Really? So
2: some of that is computer, right? So like YouTube and, and, and people consume um, sometimes on the computer when you're working or having a typical desk, but laptops and mobile, especially mobile is becoming huge. Most people are consuming video through mobile now. So that's why we're seeing some of those short stories, the reels, Instagram, YouTube feeds that are making um, even TikTok, right? Short one minute videos because attention spans are also decreasing. So we're just Mm -hmm. constantly trying to find new and relevant ways to reach audiences where they are while sharing information our business communities expect from us because we are a trusted brain trust for them.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing that you brought up uh, like in our pre-meeting, Andrea, is that it's not just all video all the time. Now, even, even though you've got so many people consuming that, you know, what what video gives you is this option then to look at the many different formats that that you might have. So, you know, we, one of the reasons that we looked at video with, with Volley is it can be video, but can also be audio. So you've got somebody, somebody might pull up our YouTube video and then put the video in the background and still just listen to it. Um, yeah. the same way that they would a podcast, you know, or we could build a transcript out of this, and then it becomes a blog post. And so I think we've played with that a little bit um, throughout the year. And one thing that we've found is, as you begin trying to take, you know, your video into other formats, or or do kind of this multi channel approach, it starts to get a lot more complicated a lot, a lot very quickly. Uh, yeah. and, and if you're trying to line up, your video strategy with your blog strategy and your social strategy and everything else. Um, that there, there are a lot of things that need to get lined up.
2: Yeah, it definitely complicates the overall execution, but Volley is unique because you had such a strong audio platform already and an audio listener base. And so going to video was just the, the natural evolution this year, especially after COVID 2020 when everyone was basically forced to video content more. And Volley already had the audio sh- audio base. Adding video wasn't um, a hard transition. It was natural evolution, and we're just going to continue to to play around with that format and offer both content types because people consume that content just like you said in in different ways I'm um, I do that I watch video I like to see people's facial dynamics and features to me it adds value but then sometimes I'll put it on the background and then listen to it you know while I'm working or something but I appreciate having video as an
1: option
0: it gets it, it, it gets back to our point about choice you know yes and so um, you know it it gives you the user the uh, the options of how they want to consume. Technology, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's been it's a it's a long ways from when you had like three channels on your television set and that you had to watch just whatever those three shows
2: were on TV (laughs) as I date myself. And then yeah, and do you know that our brains process visuals sixty thousand times faster than text or, or images? So even though we have research reports and they're widely consumed and anticipated each month it just video enhances our ability to process that information. Somehow it retains a little bit better when you have some sort of visual to go along with what you're, you're, you're consuming. Yeah. I totally see that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely something to uh, continue exploring for, for next year. And, uh, and Andrea, I know you're not only the producer for our show. We, you know, we love having you, but you've got you know quite a bit going on. So you got some things that you want to pitch that are happening in 2022.
2: Yeah, we have, um, of course, we have Volley and Trend Watch, which are our research shows dedicated to sharing these critical intelligence and curated ways. Um, and then we also have our community group video feeds. So we have top tech trends from our emerging tech community that's coming up in 2022. So be on the lookout for that. And we also have a new series called titled From Promise to Profit that will also air in 2022, both from the emerging tech community. The MSPs have had a very successful run with the Shoring Up Security um, show with MJ, featuring MJ Shore as a host, and he yeah. brings on um, industry experts and, and leaders to share about cybersecurity. And then for, um, and really those are the main ones that we're going to continue for next year right now. Yeah. We have more in development, but but um, these are the main ones I want to focus on. So
1: okay. stay tuned. All
0: so stay, stay tuned. tuned. Maybe we should start TikToking, uh, Seth. Oh, oh,
2: wait, I forgot a major, another major one is, <laughs> Pop, is our Tech Jobs Report new series coming out featuring head of research, Tim Herbert. Um, he's vice president of research. And so that will be a new show that we're also going to air uh, in January. So lots coming up in the pipeline.
1: And that yeah. one features you too, right?
2: Yeah, I'm a host of that one. So Perfect. great stuff. Yeah, i get you um, no, in front of the
1: camera more. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Definitely tune in for that. Um, well, you'll be busy in 2022, as I hope we all are. Um, Seth, another year in the books. Um, it was a good one, I think, for our, for our little show here. And uh, hopefully next year brings even better things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, once again, I'm not traveling to see family uh, this year, but it's it's great to end the year here with our Bali family. So oh, it's good to see both of you.
2: Yes, likewise. Well, happy New Year, guys. Happy holidays.
1: All right. We'll talk to everyone next year. Take care.
2: See you in January. Bye. Bye.